0: Hey there. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, and I'm so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is all about setting the stage for midlife weight loss. Today we're talking specifically about the forest a little more than the trees when it comes to losing weight. And what I mean is I'm not going to be going into details about what you should be eating or details related to calorie counting or anything like that, but instead, about the broader perspective and mindset issues that will help you supercharge your weight loss if you dial them in. Also, I have to tell you that I'm crossing my fingers a little bit because Nico the Noof, my big dog, is asleep at my feet, and he's snoring a little bit, and my little parrot Dee Dee is in her cage, and they're all in my room. Normally, when I record the podcast, they're in a different room but I don't know what happened. They're here, so let's just cross our fingers and hope everything goes okay. (laughs) Now, let's dive into setting the stage for weight loss in midlife. First, answer this question. How many diets do you think you've tried in your lifetime? I have seen so many statistics for how many diets women have gone on, and I'm sure it's no surprise to you that it is a ton. I saw one British stat, that women will try 130 diets in their lifetime. I could not believe it. So clearly, if you're trying so many diets, nothing has worked yet. It's super common. You're in the most excellent of company. And then if things weren't bad enough, you hit menopause. I remember six years ago when I hit menopause, my doctor told me to expect to gain 12 to 18 pounds. Guess what I gained? 12 to 18 pounds. (laughs) And that's a beautiful introduction to this topic. It turns out that a lot of weight loss has to do with your thinking. I was expecting weight gain in menopause. I'm sure you are or were too. My doctor basically confirmed that it's common to gain weight in menopause. I started to think that I would gain that amount of weight. And my result, what happened was that I proved that thought which as you know, is exactly what happens. Your results, like weight, absolutely prove your thinking. The way you think about yourself and your ability to have your own back and create what it is that you want, it's all related. We have so much power, but really don't know how to use it. And this was an example about thinking what you don't want. But what about when you harness this power and think about what you do want? That's what I'm talking about. So to start, let me ask you to think about another question. This question actually shocked me when I was working with my first coach. The question is, why are you choosing to weigh what you weigh? In other words, why are you making the choice to be your current weight? Did that question sound odd to you? It sure did to me because I hadn't really taken full responsibility for the weight that I was. I kind of felt like I was destined to be that weight, like the weight was happening to me, like I didn't have full control. In fact, the more I dug in to my brain, like, and really thought about it, I realized that I had a thought that was totally getting in my way. I found a doozy. My thought was, it's harder for me to lose weight because I'm only 4'10". Yes, I am only 4'10". I'm pretty short. Probably shorter now because I'm shrinking a little bit in my 50s. (laughs) But I actually thought that it was harder for me to lose weight because I was short. Like it was a genetic defect that was impossible to override. And I'd been thinking this way quietly, subconsciously for about 40 years. It was a very practiced thought. It seemed like the truth. It felt like a fact. It felt really factual. So much so that when I said it to my coach, I believed it so hard that it didn't seem ridiculous at all. But of course, it seemed ridiculous to her. (laughs) She asked me a very simple question, a beautiful little question, a one-word question. And that question is, why? Why did I think this? Almost immediately, I realized that my thinking didn't make sense. Back then, before I knew anything about the power of your thinking, it's what I thought. I didn't even really understand that it was a thought. And I didn't understand the power of this thought. Now notice what happens when you think that you can't do anything about something. For me, it was my height. My height was making it harder for me to lose weight. It's so subtle. Did you notice it when you start to think that you don't have any control? You disconnect a bit from the outcome. You pull back. You don't try as hard. You quit in advance. You feel less capable. So going back to that question, why are you choosing to weigh what you currently weigh? What's your answer? Does it feel like a choice that you're making? Is it an excuse? That something out there is making it harder for you? Your answer to this question is so important. Awareness of what you really think about your weight is critical. And it's often tricky to even know what you think because what you think seems like truth or fact like it did for me. Like it's not anything you would question because it just feels like the way it is. You don't even know that it's optional to think the thought that you're thinking. (laughs) It just seems like something that's in your reality. And that is why this question about why you're choosing to be your current weight is so great. It's jarring. And it really shifts the responsibility for your weight straight to you and to your thinking, to your choices. And this is what I mean by setting the stage for weight loss in midlife. It's difficult to have weight loss success when you're not aware of your thinking. You're not aware of what's going on up there. In midlife, you have all kinds of thoughts about your weight and your ability to lose weight. You may think that nothing will work. You may think that you're not able to lose weight, that it's never worked before, that menopause makes it harder. You might even just have the thought, I just can't do it. This kind of thing, right? So really dig around up there in your brain and notice your thinking. Your thinking will create your results. And this is true if you're aware of your thinking or not. Your thinking will create your results. So if your goal is weight loss, you really need to see what is going on up there. You might actually be getting in your own way without your permission. (laughs) And if you think you've never been able to lose weight, then you will prove that to yourself again. If you think that nothing works for you, then you will prove that to yourself again. If you think it's too hard to lose weight, then you will prove that thought true. See what I mean? It really matters what you believe. You've probably had this mindset about your ability to lose weight for decades. Your thinking has become a habit with a deep neural pathway in your brain. Thinking this way has become easy for you, comfortable, even though it's not what you want. Thinking differently will be more uncomfortable and be challenging to your belief system. But your current thinking will only create your current results. It's impossible to have different weight-related results with your current thinking. You must think differently about your ability to release the weight for you to create that result in your life and on your body. What you're currently thinking is creating your current results. To get different results, you have to think differently. So if you notice that you think, I just can't lose the weight, then you will have to really work on not thinking that thought. (laughs) I know it sounds obvious, but it's so connected to what's going to happen. You need to open up your mind a little bit to allow the possibility that you can actually lose weight. So a baby step for you might be something simple, like, like a thought like, I'm open to the possibility that I can lose weight. Just open that door a little bit. Practice thinking a thought like this and see if you feel that shift from leaning out to leaning in, from failing in advance to actually doing it. Understanding what you're thinking about your ability to lose weight is really critical to setting the stage for this work. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know how important it is to manage your emotions. Now, this is another critical part of setting the stage for weight loss. It's the second way, getting a handle on your emotions. You're probably familiar with the concept of emotional eating. I was too, but I didn't fully understand it when I first started learning about it it means that you eat instead of dealing with how you're feeling, basically. It's not just eating because you're stressed or sad or upset or obviously emotional. It's also eating because you're bored or because you're looking for excitement. It's eating when you're not hungry, but feeling something you want to go away or change, right? So you're feeling something that you want to change. And it's common to do this. To lose weight, though, you need to be much more aware of your tendency to do this, however it shows up for you. And what this means is always thinking about why you're eating. It's pretty broad topic, but I want to draw your attention to two specific aspects of emotional eating that I didn't really appreciate, and that is snacking, or maybe you'll call it foraging, (laughs) because that's what it looks like to me. And socializing. Like I said, with me, I never connected to the concept of being an emotional eater. I thought that was for people who had more extreme emotions. But what I noticed was how often I walked to the kitchen when I was working on writing something, typically something for work. Now I wasn't sad or upset, but I did have this negative emotion. It was a feeling of being challenged or stuck. And before I knew it, I was in the kitchen opening pantry doors and standing in front of the fridge with the door open, and I was like rooting around for food, like that foraging I was mentioning. I wasn't hungry, but uh, what I was working on was hard. So I was looking for a way to distract myself with food. Now, I had other options, of course. I could listen to a song. I could take a dance break. I could do 10 push-ups. I could phone a friend. I could. Do any of these things, but what I did had to do with food. And you know what? This is emotional eating. Being aware of this tendency is critical with weight loss. Now, another big one that might surprise you is how you feel when you're socializing. I noticed this with me when I was out for dinner with the kids. Going out is fun and my young adults are pretty funny. Now, I noticed that I made choices about what to eat. And how much to eat that were actually related to not wanting to feel left out of the fun. Can you relate to this? Somehow I was equating eating nachos together with my kids with a way to have fun with my kids and that if I didn't eat the nachos, I wouldn't be having fun. So interesting, right? In my mind, the nachos were making it fun. Thoughts create emotions. Thoughts create these feelings, right? So I can actually feel the pleasure and enjoyment of socializing with my kids at a restaurant table without eating the nachos, obviously. The nachos are neutral, but my thoughts about the nachos are not. And my thoughts were not serving me. But I really did tie that together. So this is another example of making choices about food based on how you feel or how you want to feel. Feeling connected and enjoying time with family comes from your thinking, not a plate of nachos. (laughs) So what's coming up for you? Can you think of times that you're choosing to eat as a way to feel a certain way or avoid feeling a certain way? Good to know, right? And something to dial in when you're setting the stage for weight loss. A third aspect of setting the stage is increasing your skill to connect with your actual feelings of hunger. Now, it's super common to be disconnected from this sensation. What I'm talking about is connecting with your body more about actual hunger, not just about having an urge or a desire for a certain food. So physical hunger can be described as a sensation that you get in your body. It usually comes in waves. Now, emotions are different. Emotions are vibrations caused by thoughts. So hunger Goes from your body up to your brain, and emotions are caused by your brain going to create the emotions, right? So it's body to brain, brain to body. So it's different, it's very different. And when you think that it's time for you to eat, it's critical to figure out if your body is telling you that it's time for food or if it's your brain telling you something that creates a desire or an urge to eat. It's a big difference and it's related to weight loss. So you can play with this concept by simply slowing down and creating a pause to notice how hungry or how full you are. You can do this before, during, or after a meal to start to connect with yourself. So eating past the light feeling of fullness is overeating. And most of us overeat and we don't even notice this. So you can think of your hunger on a continuum from minus 10, which is like starving, to plus 10, which is super full. The idea is to not get too hungry or too full, but that's not what typically happens. It's shocking how much food your body actually needs for fuel. It is way less than you think. And if you eat more than what's for fuel, then it's overeating. Now, I have a client who once told me that she noticed it took only five to six bites for her to feel lightly full, which is what the goal was. What she noticed is how often that she wanted to eat past that point. And I have to tell you, I have noticed that with me as well. I bet you will notice the same thing. If you're somebody who's trying to lose weight, then you could probably identify with that. Now, another way that you can learn more about the power of an urge or craving for a certain food is to start thinking about something that you love to eat when you're not hungry at all. (laughs) Now, it happened to me today, actually, when I was driving by my local Tim Hortons donut shop. We call Tim Hortons donut shops Timmy's up here in Toronto. (laughs) Now, I loved chocolate glazed donuts from Timmy's. I haven't thought about chocolate glazed donuts in weeks. But today I drove by and the thought popped into my mind. All of a sudden, I wanted a chocolate glazed donut. It had nothing to do with hunger. I was thinking, well, I usually get one in the morning when I have coffee. It's too late for coffee, but I still want the donut. Do I need the donut? I want the donut, but I don't need the donut. Like I actually had this whole dramatic conversation in my mind about the donut. And like I said, it had nothing to do with hunger. But Instead, I saw the donut and coffee shop, I started thinking about that stupid donut, and then I created the desire. Now, if I hadn't been working on this, I have really been working on this. (laughs) By connecting to my feeling, my hunger, and my understanding of my urges, I'm not sure I would have driven by the donut shop. But I could totally see what was happening. Because like I said, I've really been working on this awareness when I worked downtown for 19 years, I did the drive through at this particular Tim Hortons very regularly. I didn't get a chocolate glazed donut every time, but I did get one on occasion. I got coffee every time and I created a habit. I rewarded my urge often. The thing is that when you practice actually connecting to your feelings of hunger, you can tell the difference. This understanding will absolutely help you set the stage for weight loss. Okay, a fourth aspect of setting the stage is understanding your resistance. Now, resistance is interesting. It turns out that deciding to lose weight isn't enough when it comes to actually losing weight, and I bet you can relate to that. One of the most common reasons is being at the effect of resistance. So you feel resistance, and then you cave in to resistance. Now, this comes up in many ways, but the one I want to talk to you about is tracking or food journaling. Tracking what you actually eat is something that many people who have successfully lost weight have in common. You can write it down, you can take a phone memo, or you can take a picture of your food. It doesn't matter, but the idea is to document what you're actually eating. It's a way to be honest with yourself about what you ate, and it's also a way to have data to look back at if you're not losing weight, especially at the rate that you want. Now, even though this is a proven strategy, many feel resistance to doing it. In fact, you might be rolling your eyes right now, food journaling, ugh, So the question is, if you've decided to lose weight and it's a common strategy for success, why do you feel resistant? Why don't you wanna do it? A lot of times when you're doing this work, the question why is one of the most powerful questions you can ask yourself. I mentioned that earlier today. And most of the time you think your thoughts are facts. So when you ask yourself why, you have the opportunity to dig a little deeper and explore what you're making it mean. The bottom line is always that you can do what you want, but you have to like your reasons. So what are your reasons for not wanting to do something that will likely help you reach your weight loss goals? You will see this kind of resistance in many areas of your life. Maybe you're working on a morning routine and then the alarm goes off and you're resistant to getting up and following through. Or maybe you're working on moving your body more and you have resistance to honoring your calendar. So interesting, right? The beauty of mindfulness work is that you can recognize your thinking, but also recognize that you're not your thoughts. You're simply a watcher of your thoughts. So you can decide to do it anyway. You can practice thinking a thought like this one. I'm open to the idea that food journaling isn't as bad as I think it is, for example. Play with it. See what works for you. And if you want to lose weight and finally be successful, you may want to set the stage a little differently than you have in the past. So these four things will absolutely help you. This is what we talked about. One, increase your awareness of your thinking about midlife weight loss. Two, check in on your emotional eating. Three, connect with your hunger and urges. And four, explore your resistance to journaling. Most of the time, you're not even aware of what you're thinking about your ability to lose weight. And if you've been on many diets over the decades, over the years, you may not think that you can lose weight, right? You may just end up quitting in advance. It's so important to notice these thoughts and then challenge them. Thoughts are optional. And you know what? I got the memo. You could do hard things, even at your age. All right. As you know, my focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck and live your best life because there is way more fun to be had. If you want to finally focus on getting unstuck, like step on the gas already, there's no better mechanism, no better way when you know you're meant for more like this and you're wasting valuable time Then to move forward with the community of women just like you. I would love to be able to help you get unstuck and create your exciting next chapter. I want to invite you to apply to the Women in the Middle Academy. It's a six month coaching program where you get all the support you need to apply what you're learning here in the podcast. But more importantly, you get expert coaching, curriculum, and a community to get clear about what you want so that you don't have regrets. Don't waste another second feeling stuck. Go ahead and apply. Just fill out the quick and easy application when you book your momentum call and we'll have a quick chat. Head over to www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. For show notes and links, head over to www.suzyrosenstein.com and click the podcast tab and you'll see the episodes there. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein, and I'll talk to you next week.